Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. And today we get to talk about relationships. And I love talking about relationships. Um, sometimes I do get onto a bit of a moral high horse. I do hope that that doesn't happen today. Um, but just letting you know, that might happen. Uh, but, you know, relationships... Uh, are such a tricky thing, and we started talking a bit about that last week. And, and you know, uh, if, if you look across um, the Western world in particular, marriages are not doing very well, and, and people don't know how to handle relationships. And this song explores uh, a part of relationships that I think many of us understand and have felt because it, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, there's this tension going on. And, and when I first heard this song, I'll be perfectly honest, I thought it was one of those most boring songs ever. See, I'm a muso by heart, um, if not by talent and, uh, <laughs> anymore. I've lost it. My hands are now old. Um, and, and when I listen to music, I listen to tunes. I listen to melodies. I, I will remember what the electric guitarist was doing. I'll remember what the keyboards is doing, and I'll be able to replicate it. But one thing I cannot do is hear lyrics. I don't hear lyrics. So you will be cruising along in a car, and, and I'll kind of like just be humming the tune of the song in the radio, and Becca will be like, do you know what a song's about? And I'll be like, no, do we need to change the station? And she'll be like, yes. <laughs> it happens quite a lot, doesn't it, Beck? So, so I'm not lying. I don't lie when I'm on this stage. Um, and, and, and so when I first heard this song, if you listen to the original, it's kind of just got this beat going, and it's really boring. It's really quite a boring song. But then one day, I think maybe a part of it was I was looking out for songs for this series and, and I heard the lyrics and I was like, this is quite a genius song because uh, the beat, it's kind of really cyclical. It just kind of goes round and round and round and round. And the original version has Drake singing the first uh, verse uh, and he's talking about how he just doesn't know how to communicate with, with his partner. And then uh, the next verse is actually sung by Rihanna. So today, Robin sang it all. She, she had multiple personalities <laughs> on stage. And, uh, and, and you wouldn't have heard that, that, that sense of, oh, okay, something different is going on. Uh, but in the original song, Rihanna sings the, the second verse. And she sings basically the same stuff. I, I just don't know how to talk to you. And she gets to this conclusion, as he did, that he's just too good for uh, that's too good for each other and and it's such a strange thing because if one person saying I'm too good for you and the other person saying I'm too good for you who really is too good for who you know, who gets the moral high horse in this situation who gets to ride off into the sunset uh, or what's going on why are they both at such a point of disconnect and that is what we want to talk about today because I think many of us get into a cycle in our relationships where where something is going on and there's a disconnect connect and we don't know what is quite happening and and we don't know how to process it we don't know how to walk through it and we end up just giving up and saying well you know what I'm going to protect myself I'm too important to be broken by you and so I'm going to just come up and say it I'm too good for you I, I'm the one that gets to get on that horse and ride into the sunset and leave you behind. I'm not going to let you dump me. I'm going to dump you first. And, um, and it's a really interesting concept. And, and, and I really think that that is such a harmful way of approaching relationships. 
There's so many relationships that, that are just breaking up all the time. And I think that a part of it is that we hear through music, our culture is saying that commitment is not something that is worthwhile. Commitment is not something that is with all your energy and the heartache and the pain. You, you will hear songs about how you, when you give up control, that's when you have fun. When, when you don't have any responsibilities, that's when you have fun. But my question for you is, if you ever told a person that you love, I will love you only as long as it's convenient for me, where's that relationship going? No one says at the marriage altar, I will love you only as long as I feel it. But yet, all of us, at some point in our time, are probably acting in that way. This friendship, this relationship, only when it is to my convenience, only when it's serving my purposes, then it's going to be a good relationship. But I think God's called us to a higher way of living, and, and that's what we want to be talking about this morning. And, and first, let me just set this up. See, I believe that our relationships can be represented by these three cups. Maybe not these three cups in particular, but three cups. Um, and, and so that's me, and that's you, and that's us. I wrote them this morning as neatly as I could. So it's me, you, and us. And, and this is how relationships are, uh, operate. When there's a relationship, we come to a middle point. And we invest into us. We pour a little bit of us, of ourselves into the us cup, into the relationship cup, so that there can be a relationship. You know, even in marriages, I think because we get a little bit confused because we think that there's no longer these and there's just us. But the truth is we can never completely eradicate ourselves from any relationship. There's a sense that there's still a little bit of me, or there's still a lot of me, in, in this relationship. If, if it just becomes a blur, then you might as well just clone yourself. But it's not happening. Beck is nothing like me physically, <laughs> mentally, personality-wise, emotion-wise. She's completely different, and it's because of that difference that we actually have a relationship that exists because we both pour into it. And how many relationships form is that there is a bit of a honeymoon season. Uh, you know, like the other person can do nothing wrong. It is so beautiful. And, and because you love being together so much, you're both like dumping all of yourself into this relationship. You know what I mean? So this cup is overflowing. It is great. You are loving life in this friendship, in this relationship. I, I, really, I really mean it. For example, when you go to a mission trip and you have to depend on each other for this mission trip to be a success, you are pouring a lot into it. And that's why many young people fall in love during mission trips because their relationship cup is full and then they go home and then they realize that that person is nothing like what they were thinking you know when you go on a mission trip you don't expect a person to shower so you kind of put up with their uh, their, their personal hygiene but then you go home and you realize that's not a mission trip thing <laughs> is that guy's person personality they just don't like showering and suddenly he's like oh okay i'm going to distance myself a little bit so in every relationship, there is a me, there is a you, and there's an us. In this song, in Drake's song, what has happened is that this cup is completely empty. Both have started to approach the relationship as though it's something where they are meant to be receiving something. They both want to draw from this cup. 
and are both a little bit wary of filling it up. So this cup is now dry. This cup has got nothing left in it. And so whenever they have any interaction, there is this friction, there's this sense of defensiveness, there's this sense where I'm going to look out for myself because if I don't, you're just going to keep drawing from me. It becomes a destructive cycle. It becomes this, this place where it's completely broken. And to be honest, that's where a lot of relationships uh, exist. They, they just kind of uh, uh, try to survive and live through each and every day, even Christian relationships. I know many Christians that are, uh, are married only by title, but not by heart and not by a real relationship because they are in a place where they are looking out just for themselves and there's no longer an us in there. And, and, and unfortunately, what the, cult, what the culture tells us, what, what Drake tells us about how to solve this is to go even further and try to get even more. The end of the song, which is not a very good song if you, if you uh, 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 look into what the meaning of the lyrics is, he, he just basically says, let's have sex, so that it gives us a sense of intimacy. So it gives us a sense of having one another. So I wouldn't recommend putting this song on repeat for your family at home. Not a good song, but... That's what our world tells us. Get what you can while you can. Take what you can while you can. And then when there's nothing left, leave and find someone else that can fill up your cup. See, that's not the way that relationships ever work. No one can fill your cup. No one can reach across and give of themselves to you. That is not how relationships work. If you do that, it's called manipulation. It's called control. It is a broken way of doing relationships. Every relationship will have that factor of an us. And the problem in this song, I believe, is a common problem. It's an easy problem to diagnose. The problem is that there are unmet expectations. There are just expectations of what this relationship was going to be like. And, and, and the truth of the matter was... That didn't look anything like it. And young people, if you're in a dating relationship, you're looking to get into a dating relationship, let me give you a little bit of advice. See if you can form an us. None of that stupid honeymoon stuff because it will not translate into real life. Your boyfriend that is pursuing you will spend copious amounts of money buying you chocolates and roses. That doesn't happen in a real relationship. Maybe some of that chocolate because he wants some of it too. The roses are definitely going to... Uh, oh, is that just me? I love my chocolate. It's like, Beck, this is for you. Really, half of it's me. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. But, but if you're expecting to be romantically pursued for the rest of your life, you are living in Hollywood. As in the words of Frozen, let it go. Let it go. It will never happen. I will not sing let it go. It is beyond my range. Maybe Robin will do it in a couple of years' time. <laughs> but yes, when you are in a dating relationship, find out, is this, how, how is this person going to invest in us in normal life? How is this person going to sow into an us? Is this person a person that I can trust? Is this person going to look after our finances properly? Is this person going to push us towards God? Is this person going to help us pursue shared goals? Or is this person all about himself? Or all about herself? Is this person going to understand how to form an us? Or is this person just simply going to be drawing from us once they get comfortable in this relationship? That is a very dangerous place. And the problem is that we don't talk 
about our expectations. We live our day-to-day without really talking about our expectations. I sit with many people, and, and, and it's really funny, in my opinion, because I'm completely divorced from the emotions of the situation. And I'll tell them, why don't you guys just talk through your expectations, what you want from each other? And they will say, I can do that. It's like Christians are born to be used and abused. You have to be nice. So you're not allowed to talk about your desires and you're not allowed to talk about what you want. But if you don't talk about what you want in a respectful, honoring way, then you cannot form an us. You won't know what's going on. So this, in, in the song, you, you hear about this, Rihanna, she sings about how she's going all over the world for this guy, but yet she's still not connecting with him. And you know why? Because she doesn't know what he's expecting. He hasn't told her what he's expecting. And in the same way, he doesn't know what she's expecting from him. And sometimes you do all the things, you take initiative to do all the things that you're doing to try to keep this relationship going. But the reality is this person's got uh, his or her eyes on something else completely. There's this complete disconnect. There's unmet expectations. There is conflict. The cup is dry. Your relationship is over. Or at least it feels like it's over. And... In the Bible, there's a relationship story that we read about that I think really explains this whole I'm too good for you syndrome. We can read it in Luke 10, 38 to 42, and it says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And many of us look at this account in the eyes of Martha, the overworker, Martha, the perfectionist, Martha, the one who who thinks about all the hospitality things that needs to be done, and Mary is a bit of a bum who just sits at Jesus' feet, and and Martha gets upset at, at this whole scenario, and it's, yeah. But if you look at the lens of this relationship, these sisters... Something uh, pops up to me. Something pops up to me in the sense that Martha obviously wanted Mary's help, but Mary didn't know about it. Mary did not know that Martha was expecting any help whatsoever. She just thought having Jesus over meant we get to sit down with Jesus. And she thought that maybe she was thinking, if Martha loves me, she will let me have my Jesus time. But no, Martha was like, no, you're supposed to be doing all this stuff. And, and, and you have this cranky, crazy breakdown in their relationship. And it, and it kind of reminds me of a situation that I found myself in, in this whole idea of unmet expectations. See, I grew up in Singapore and came over when I was 15. And when I turned 18, I needed to go back to Singapore to do two years of national service. Um, and, and with that, one of my friends uh, was going back uh, to Singapore as well to do national service. And, and for me, it was a scary experience in that all my friends and family were here. And I needed to go back into a nation that I did not feel like I wanted to live in ever again. And, um, and serve in the army in an in a environment that is so foreign to anything that I, 
uh, I had ever known and, and stay in a household with people that I wasn't very close to. And so when I knew that my friend was going to be in Singapore, he became a, uh, a point, an anchor point maybe, uh, where I felt this guy would understand what I'm going through. This guy would probably feel the same way that I'm feeling, and so maybe if we catch up from time to time, we would be able to support, encourage, and help each other out. And, and so that's what I did. Uh, when I got back, when I had the chance, I, I texted him and said, hey, let's go catch up, let's go grab a meal, or go to a movie. And, and he was like, yeah, that's cool. But what happened, which was really strange, was that more often than not, when we caught up, he would invite other people, his friends that I didn't know. And if you know anything about me offstage is that I'm more of an introvert. I know none of you believe this, but I am more of an introvert. And um, I don't like small talk. I will do small talk. Sunday is my work day and I do small talk. <laughs> I know I make, when I'm saying this, I'm making you feel terrible. And that's not the case. I love getting to know you. Uh, but if if I don't know you and I wasn't ready for the interaction, it is draining for me. It's just a normal thing for me. Uh, just, just, and so I was waiting, I was expecting a refreshing relationship. I was expecting a support and encouragement from a person that I thought would understand me and would understand what I needed. And, and, um, but he went and did the opposite. He got people and, and it put me in an environment where I was like, I don't know like he would not just like one other friend, it would be like three or four other people. So the four of them would have their little conversation and I'll just be there trying to smile. And I one of those situations where it's like, I'd rather go watch a movie by myself, which I did many times. But, um, <laughs> but, but I, I, it was a relationship that wasn't going very well. And in Singapore, I, I started to drift away from him. I started to go, I understand him because I've known him for a long time. He's a very social guy. He makes friends everywhere. And so I was like, cool, that's, um, that's him. But I don't think that's going to be very helpful for me. There's not much of an us in this relationship. I'm going to go somewhere else. And, and, and so I had other friends and survived my two years in Singapore. And then we got back to Perth. He came back to Perth as well. But being in different churches, we didn't see each other very much because, um, yeah, you know, we, we were just involved in different circles. And, and what happened then was uh, uh, a couple of years had passed and uh, we bumped into each other at some conference. And, and he was like, hey, man, we haven't seen each other forever. Let's go get breakfast. Let's get coffee. We took our phones out. We Actually, no, I don't think we took our phones out because back then I think we all had those bricks. Um, yeah, it's going back a while. And uh, so, so we, we scheduled it in for Saturday morning um, at a cafe that we both knew. And, and so the Saturday came around. I was actually quite excited because I literally grew up with this guy. This guy was a, had been a friend uh, for me for a couple of decades now. And I knew him really well. And he knew me. Well, I thought I knew him really well. And he knew me well. And, and, and so I was excited to, that he was the one that initiated this. It made me feel valued. It made me feel important to him. And, and so I got to that place. I'm always early. He's always late. So I put that into account. So I was early as usual. I don't know why. I'm a sucker for punishment in that way. And, and so I got there five minutes early and I waited. And I waited five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, this is normally when he kind of rocks up. So I thought I'd text him just to see where he was, thinking that he was probably just going to be another five minutes. But he didn't reply. And I waited and I waited. Half an hour had passed and I was like, you know what? I think I've been stood up. I think. So I went home. 
I went home because home was only five minutes away. Uh, it's not a pity story, by the way. I just, it's funny that they're not trying to make me like this, like, oh, everyone wants to be Nate's friend. But I went home, and it wasn't until much later in the day that I received a text message from him. And it read something like this, hey, had a late night last night, so I decided to sleep in, forgot we were catching up. There wasn't an apology, and there wasn't a rescheduling of our catch-up. And in that moment, I felt the sting of an unmet expectation. It felt terrible because looking back, what was going through my mind wasn't just that this guy didn't meet an appointment, but this guy didn't meet a sense where he was speaking value and worth to me. He made a massive withdrawal from a cup that was already pretty empty. And so it left me in a sense where why is he treating me like rubbish? Why am I not of value and importance to this guy? It sat with me for a long time, and, and you know, I was thinking about it, I was thinking about it, and I got to a place where, where one night I, I came to a realization that I was too good for him. I was, I was just too good for him. He takes my love for granted. I just can't understand it. It was ridiculous. And so I was like, stuff this, I'm out of here, self-protecting, barriers down, relationship closed. You know, God has a strange way of making things come around. It was a couple of years after that, and uh, I was, um, I was uh, working in church, and my youth pastor uh, told me that this other church needed to get some stuff from us after youth uh, service that night, and, and he told me that this guy was going to be coming along to help with the pickup. And I think he just read, my youth pastor knows me well, he just read from my face that I was not happy about that. I thought that this guy was a bum, he was irresponsible, he didn't care for anyone else, he didn't care for me anyway, and, and so I was like, oh my gosh, that guy, okay. Well, my youth pastor prodded me a little bit and said, what, what, what was that all about? And uh, so I told him the story, and he, I, I felt good telling him the story, because he sided with me, it's like, what, that guy has a, <laughs> and, and it made me feel like, hey, look, I wasn't wrong in having those expectations. I wasn't wrong in having those desires to have a relationship that is healthy and strong and mutual. And so I was like, okay, cool. My youth pastor gets me. All good. I'm good now. And, um, and we got on with the day. We ran the youth program. They came that night. They loaded up their truck with what they needed. And uh, we were just hanging out outside. I was like, just go already so I can get on with my friends because you're not wanting them to. <laughs> and... Uh, standing around chatting and if you know my old youth pastor this wouldn't come as a shock to you but for me that night he did something that made the whole night so awkward because what he did was we were standing in that circle and we were just chatting and he goes up to the guy he goes up to the guy and says, hey you know you stood Nate up a couple of years ago <laughs> Nate yeah I'm not joking he did it and he was like and you did not apologize and Nate still heard about it <laughs> I was like oh my gosh I didn't mean for this to happen. And I was like, you know, one of those moments where you are struck completely dumb. I was dumb for a, like, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was, but what happened was that my friend then actually apologized. He was like, oh my gosh, I thought I apologized. And, and yeah, you know, I thought this, and, and so I'm so sorry, didn't mean for it to happen. 
And, you know, I, I, I know that these guys in a different space and, and we're not really compatible in that kind of friendship that I wanted. I was expecting from him. And because I had the wrong expectations, that relationship wasn't very healthy. It wasn't very possible. And I understand where he's at now. And I think I can understand how to have an us with him, uh, which means that he's not in my inner sanctum. We're still friends. If we see each other, it's not going to be awkward. I'm not going to be like, you let me down. Because that's, that's done and that's dusted. But, but I hope that that story helps you to see that why didn't I just have a chat with him? I, when I was in Singapore, I didn't let him know. I didn't let him know that what I was expecting was a supportive, encouraging friendship. He wanted a social, fun relationship. I wanted a supportive, deep relationship. There was a disconnect that was happening, which caused me to end up thinking, and guess what? For the two years I was carrying that hurt, he didn't know about it. He was having a great time with his life, and I was having a terrible time in my pain and my hurt. How many times in our lives are we carrying pain and hurt and wounds from unmet expectations that that person is not even aware of? They're having the time of their life, they're partying hard, and, and there you go, and like, like crawling into the next day, and like, this person doesn't care for me. He was having probably like Oreos dipped in milk and having a good time at night, and I was having my little Drake pity party in the corner. How many of us have stupid relationships because we don't talk about our expectations? We're not even aware of our expectations. But when we start to talk about it, then there's a difference there. I know in the story with, with, with Mary and Martha, I find it h hilarious because when Martha realized that her expectation was unmet, uh, I, I'm picturing this scene, right? You see, uh, in, in a, a Jewish households used to have a bit of an open plan. So it's not like the kitchen was somewhere off in, in the corner. It's, it's like the, the kitchen living area is all in the same place. So, so I'm just like, kind of seeing like Martha going around. Maybe she's sweeping and she is completely staring daggers at Mary the whole time. And Mary's completely oblivious. But Jesus is Jesus. So he's probably caught sight that Martha's not very happy. He's not saying anything though. He's kind of leaving Martha to stew in that little corner of hers. And, and, and suddenly, suddenly... Martha reaches boiling point. I don't know why she got to boiling point. The Bible doesn't say that something like she burned a roast or, or, or something went wrong, but she just exploded. And she didn't explode at Mary, who she's angry with. She explodes at Jesus, who she already had a revelation was the Son of God. And so she, she screams at Jesus. I imagine it. Say, Jesus! He's like, Jesus, do you not care? I'm imagining Jesus just sitting there going like, say what? <laughs> Having a good chat with, um, with Mary here and why are you bringing me? Do you know how many hurt people hurt other people in other relationships that have got nothing to do with the real primary issue? You know, how many of us carry unmet expectations that lead to wounds and hurts in our life and we start bursting out at other people and we start to think that they don't understand and that they don't care. We start to draw lines in our friendships where it's like, you're either for me or against me. And because you're not really doing anything for me, I'm going to put you in the against me bucket. Mary said to Jesus, the Son of God, do you not care? And I'm wondering this morning whether some of us 
because of our unmet expectations, are hurting other people in our lives. I'm wondering even deeper whether some of us have come to Jesus and screamed at him, do you not care? Do you not care that I'm going through this? Do you not care that my husband is being a complete idiot? Do you not care that my kids don't listen to me? Jesus, do you not care that my friendship is falling apart? Jesus, do you not care? When we carry unmet expectations in our hearts, it bursts out in many different ways. We've got to learn how to deal with it. Do you know what the Bible says? Do you know what Jesus says about this? He says in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. We're bursting out at Jesus and say, Jesus, change their heart. Tell them to do something about it. And Jesus, here he is, he's saying, if you, if you want to worship me, if you want to have your relationship with me right, if you want to do that, go solve that unmet expectation. Go deal with that unmet expectation. He says, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Whereas I think many times we come to God as though he's some kind of relationship genie. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, if you care enough for me, you would turn the situation around because I don't like uncomfortable confrontation. I don't like airing out why I'm hurt. I don't know how to deal with that. So it'd be easier if you do it. Our culture has become so soft that we don't know how to talk anymore. We don't know how to talk about what really matters. We talk about weak, meaningless, shallow things in an effort to fill up the us cup when really we are desiring something deeper. And we hope that the other person would see our heart and they would do the thing that we want them to do so that this cup would be filled, but then they don't do it because they are human beings. They don't read your mind. And we end up broken and disappointed. Is there someone that you've got beef with? Is there someone with unmet expectations in your life? Is there someone that you just don't know what's come between you? Is there someone that you need to just have a civil, open chat? Maybe, like Martha, you need a bit of a mediator. Maybe, like me, you need a bit of a mediator. I'm thankful that my youth pastor didn't let that hurt continue on. It was a small hurt. I was a hurt nonetheless. Is a hurt that could develop into something deeper if I didn't allow, if I didn't allow it to be dealt with. Sometimes you might need someone, if you come together into the same room and because that cup is so dry, all you get is friction and tension, maybe bring someone else in so that you can have a talk about how to make us happen. Or maybe you're realizing in some friendships that you have that there can never be an us the way that you want it. Maybe there's some relationships that are just taking from you. You know what you're going to end up? You're going to end up empty, dry, hurt, and you're going to blame God. You are going to blame God. And it's not God's fault that you're trying to fill up an us cup that isn't there, that is completely one-sided. It's not God's fault. God wants us to do relationship well. 
God wants that to be love in relationship. And you know what love is? Love is putting the other person first, but it's also knowing and trusting that that person's also going to be having the same mind. You cannot have a relationship of a deeper level if you do not have that mutual sowing into that relationship. The reason why I'm camping on this this morning is because our relationships matter to God. Our relationships matter to God. Our relationships are pivotal to our lives. They determine where we are going. So if right now you do a bit of a heart check, how are you going at your relationships? Have you got relationships with a healthy us? Have you got relationships that has that cup at a level where it's sustainable, where it's solid? I'm not just talking about people that make you feel good. Feeling good is so overrated. I'm talking about people that will say, you are so precious. You've got so much potential in your life and you're doing something completely against it. You need people that can point stuff out. You need relationships that are more than just feely, happy places. You need relationships with an us that is going to propel you into your future. They're going to propel you into all that God has got for you. You need relationships that are willing to tough out the times when unmet expectations pops up because they will happen in every marriage, in every relationship. There are going to be moments where there are unmet expectations. God wants us to deal with it. So we can get the band up this morning. I didn't really know exactly how to land this this morning, but the more I waited on this, the more I feel like if you are going to allow God to be your mediator, to be someone there for you, then you need to trust Him. And I'm wondering whether there are some people in this room that have got unmet expectations with God. Unmet expectations with Jesus. I thought following Jesus would be like this, but it's turned out to be like this, and you don't know what to do with it. This morning, I feel like before we deal with other relationships, before you practically think about your relationships and what you might need to do to bring reconciliation. Maybe some of you need to be reconciled to God first. You know, Jesus said that when He came to earth, He carried a ministry of reconciliation, bringing us back together with God. That was His primary desire. Your sin, all that stuff, yes, we've pushed God away and, and all of that, but for Jesus, He was doing what was necessary to bring us back into relationship with God. It is through a life-giving relationship with God that we can have healthy relationships with others. You know, I mentioned that no one can fill someone else's cup. That isn't completely true because there's one person who can fill your cup, and that person is Jesus. Remember when Jesus was meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well? And he said to her, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask him for a drink of water. Because I 
have living water. Some of you are in a position where all your relationships are stuffed up because you have not been drinking from the right source. You've been going around thinking that other people can fill you up. See, Jesus isn't just going to fill up your cup and make you feel happy. That's not filling up your cup. Let me tell you three things that Jesus did in the story of Mary and Martha. The first thing is that he is always there. When Jesus fills your cup, you know that he's promised that he will always be with you. He is in that situation whether you feel it or whether you don't. Whether you realize it or you don't, Jesus is there. And number two, he's going to wait for you to invite him to intervene in the situation. Remember, he was there, he was seeing what was going on, but he waited till Martha would say, Jesus. Now, she didn't know how to ask. She didn't really know how to ask Jesus for help. She exploded at him. But look at how Jesus responded. Jesus didn't tell her, you know you're talking to the Son of God. He just said, okay, let's deal with this situation. I believe that some of you haven't been drinking of that living water because even though Jesus is there, you're not inviting him into that situation. No matter how broken your ask is, no matter how broken uh, you are and wounded and you don't know how to talk to Jesus, he still wants to intervene. He still wants to be there. But the third thing that Jesus does is that he brings truth and grace. Martha wanted Jesus to change Mary. Jesus wanted to change Martha. And he told her, he changed her expectations of what was going on. He spoke into the brokenness in her soul, into her desires. And he told her, you are busy with many things, but Mary knows what is most important. He gently led her to a place where she could see that the unmet expectations didn't have to be that way. Not because the other person needed to change, but because she needed to change. Because she was busy trying to please God when Mary already knew that God was pleased with her. Jesus wanted Martha to understand that. So some of you understand that Jesus is around. Some of you have invited him to speak into your life. But are you listening to the truth and the love that he's speaking to you from? Maybe you've been crying out to God and you're saying, God, change this other person. And you're so disappointed because nothing is changing. But there Jesus is speaking to you about that expectation, about that brokenness, about that something inside your life that isn't quite right. Are you going to accept what Jesus is trying to do in your life? Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.